Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel, broadcasting remotely. This week, Connecticut teachers can now sign up to get the COVID-19 vaccine nearly one year after a virus changed education as we know it. Today, where we live, we talk with three teachers about how they and their students have adapted from remote classes and social distancing to fears of getting sick. Before the pandemic, educators had been stretched thin, but what has this last year been like for them and their students? Are you a teacher? You can join the conversation. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, we've spoken to several teachers over the last year, and joining me now on Zoom, Dr. David Basso. He's a social studies teacher at Berlin High School, and he was the 2012 Connecticut Teacher of the Year. David, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Lucy. Also with me is Claudia Tanelia, a middle school social studies teacher with the Hartford Public Schools District. She teaches at Dwight Belize School. Claudia, nice to talk with you again. Nice to be here. Thank you. And Shereen baldwin Mohammed is here. She's a teacher at New Beginnings Family Academy in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Sheree, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. Now, we're recording this conversation actually on Monday, so the first day that vaccine sign-up is available for teachers. I'll start with you, Cherie. How do you feel about this news that the vaccine is finally available to educators? Well, it's it. the whole thing was pretty, um, there was a lot of questions as far as the vaccine was concerned, especially with the staff here at the school. We originally had a sign-up sheet available um, about a month ago, and then um, we were told that we would have to wait. Um, we did actually get an email today, and I actually was able to sign up for my appointment, and I have an appointment on Sunday. So it was a pretty quick turnaround as far as being able to access uh, the portals and be able to sign up for the vaccine. Um, wow, at so first, a- I was pretty leery about the vaccine, but after, you know, knowing some people that have had it and haven't had any adverse um, effects after, I feel pretty confident about having it. Cherie, you said your appointment's on Sunday, so that's coming up pretty quick. Yeah. Do you think that when you get that shot in your arm, that some of the anxiety over the last year will start to diminish? Um, not really. It's kind of still um, up in the air as far as, you know, what the effects would be. So that's the part that I'm concerned about. But like I said, I know some nurses that have already had it. And um, I have my grandmother had her second shot, actually, and didn't have a problem after it. So um, I'm praying that that will be the same in my case. And everybody else that I know, I've known some people that have had COVID. Um, I've had one uh, student who lost a family member to COVID. So 
Um, it's concerning either way, actually. Claudia, how about you? Um, will you be signing up? I will be. Um, we have been told in Hartford, we got an email late last night that um, teachers will be able to, they're going by schools and they're doing it in groups. Um, and so my school is on the list to go Thursday afternoon. Um, but I haven't received an exact sign up yet, but um, they'll be having it at St. Francis Hospital for us. Um, and I feel a huge sense of relief because here in Hartford, we went back to kids in school five days a week starting today. Um, I mean, about half of our students are still fully remote, but for the students that were not remote, we we ended the, the hybrid where kids were coming in two days a week. Um, and I have been someone who was planning on on getting it. And I think if we're going to have the kids here five days a week, then the teachers need to be vaccinated. So I'm just really relieved. Can you talk through the process of, uh, we heard uh, Cherie mention, you know, different information about when educators were going to get it. I mean, how did you feel about the way the state has handled this? And then the, the news uh, just the other week that Governor Lamont uh, was changing up the distribution plan. And so teachers will be able to sign up, uh, but other essential workers will not be. How did you feel about that, Claudia? Um. I definitely, I wish we all could get it at the same time and I do feel a little bad, um, but I know from being in a school um, and you know, knowing what it's like in other childcare settings for those workers, um, we're not, we're dealing with children. We're not dealing with adults. Um, they don't always follow protocols. They don't wear their masks right. Um, it's hard at times to not be in close contact to them, um, to, to students. And so I feel like um, it, it's warranted. Um, and if you really want things to get back um, to normal and you want all the kids back in school, then you have to prioritize teachers. David Basso, I'll ask you the same question. Are you feeling relief now that uh, the vaccine is in sight for so many educators? Yes, I, th I think it was very much welcome news uh, when the governor made the announcement. But I think it's also important to remember that that announcement was made on the day that we as a country passed a very sobering and grim milestone with over 500,000 deaths. Uh, every single one of those individuals was somebody's loved one, somebody's friend, family member, colleague. Um, and so while it's welcome news, uh, we also know we have a lot of work to do. Uh, it's a monumental task uh, to get back to some degree of normalcy. Um, so it's, it's one of those situations where um, there is some concern on my part because I, I feel like if we're going to be um, doing everything we can to get back to normal, uh, we also need to make sure that we do everything we can to uh, mitigate uh, many of the, the risk. And uh, there's talk, of course, uh, a lot of school districts are talking about a 100% return uh, to the building. We, where I am, we are hybrid. Um, and that return uh, is going to come before everybody uh, faculty and staff anyway, and the adults who work in the building are fully vaccinated. So I think we just have to be careful um, and not rush this and make sure that we get it right. That's an important point that you bring up, David. While um, 
the vaccine and getting vaccinated uh, will help uh, people feel protected. But the, the amount of people that you're around, whether it's in a school setting or in your community, is nowhere near what they call herd immunity. Part of that is still following those safety protocols that Claudia even mentioned uh, with children. It's sometimes it's hard to keep your mask on correctly the whole time or to be careful about uh, keeping your distance. So, so can you describe in, in the hybrid setting, David, what it has been like uh, to try to follow all of these rules uh, to stay safe, but in the same time doing your job, helping children learn and to help them engage and grow? Right. I mean, I, I think we first and foremost need to make sure that we all uh, do not let our guard down, that we're going to need to maintain a lot of these safety measures uh, throughout, and it's going to be some time. Um, I'm at a high school setting. Uh, it might be a little bit different um, than elementary and middle, and middle school, um, but still um, very vigilant, very cognizant of uh, the, the social distancing, which is becoming more and more difficult as more students are be returning to school. Um, the, the remote aspect, I think, uh, for many students um, has been challenging. Um, some of them are, are finding a kind of settling into a routine. Uh, the, the idea of uh, making sure that uh, everybody is doing what they need to do uh, is going to be imperative as we move forward. Um, and, I, and I do have to remind uh, students every once in a while to make sure that they're wearing their mask correctly. And we're seeing this, of course, this is, you know, the schools are a microcosm of what we're seeing um, in society at large. Um, we, we just all need to do a little bit more um, to make sure that we return to this uh, idea of normalcy. And of course, you know, in school settings, uh, we, we want to be back uh, in full with our students as quickly as possible. But we need to make sure that safety remains paramount. Um, I, I, can, I cannot imagine how devastating it would be uh, to a school community um, if, we, if we rush uh, into this and, and there are uh, dire consequences. Um, that would just be devastating. Mm. You know, so often in these discussions, uh, when we talk about education, uh, you know, teachers are asked how they're doing, and then also how are the students doing? How are you able to juggle it all? And so, Sharia, I wondered if you could be really honest about what this last uh, several months has been like for you. How are you doing? It's it's been very challenging this year um, and last year when when all of this happened when it it was shut down. I was teaching second grade. And a lot of the kids don't understand why they can't be at school. Um, some parents have chose to do uh, total distance learning. And those children often want to interact with the other students that do come to school. So we did have some collaborative time where the students were able to be online together. And there was one boy, uh, we just celebrated his birthday, and he was high hybrid, but his dad changed him to distance. So we actually called him and he was so excited to see all of his friends um, on the computer, um, wishing him a happy birthday. So there's just the little things that uh, little kids are so used to wanting to do that we have to now tell them, okay, you need to, you know, not hug your friend or you need to not share with your friend and you have to keep your own materials. And we, we can't sit down for circle time. Um, it's really hard to get the attention of the kids, especially on the computer, because they're only five. Um, so they want to play with their toys. They want to show us their dog. 
um, their attention span is very low. So it's been very challenging to teach kindergarten this year. Last time I spoke with you, you told me about the difficulty of getting little ones to want to use the computer. But as an adult that's been teaching for some time, Cherie, when you get home, are you exhausted from the the constant being in front of the screen uh, when you were in hybrid? And I'm just curious, like how you've been able to, to manage that? Um, I'm exhausted. I usually, when I get home from work, I go home, I cook dinner. Um, my husband usually doesn't get home until about seven or eight, but I'm usually in bed. Um, and he's like, why are you in bed? I'm so tired because you have to be extra. I mean, you have to be animated anyway, when you're teaching kindergarten, but you have to be extra animated. And then I'm usually losing my voice by the end of the day because I'm talking through the mask. Um, it's a little bit better when we're online, but um, just to keep the children's attention, I have to be use so much energy that by the time I get off and most of our meetings are on Zoom and there have been studies with the, the screen um, time and, and fatigue and depression and different things like that. So I'm just like out of it when I get home. He, he doesn't quite understand, although... He's an educator, but he doesn't um, have to go online. He teaches, you know, basically one-to-one for the most part. So he has smaller class class sizes and they come physically to the building. It, it's exhausting. Um, right now, I just want to go take a nap. <laughs> but I have to drive all the way home. <laughs> Uh, Claudia, you mentioned earlier that this is the week that Hartford Public Schools kids pre-K through ninth grade are back in person five days a week. Yes. Uh, when I talked with you uh, in the summer, you had reservations about how you were going to keep your classroom safe when social distancing is difficult, uh, depending on the number of kids in class. And, you know, classrooms are only so big, six feet distance between desks can be a challenge. So how are you managing this week? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, I was worried about that. And I want to say overall, I'm actually very um, impressed and grateful to my middle schoolers. They have been taking it seriously um, for the most part. I mean, I have I have those times when, you know, they all want to huddle up and look at someone's phone or look at something on the computer. And I have to remind them to get away and, you know, sit back down and keep their distance. Um, but they've been really good about you know, keeping distance in the hallways because we have a certain way that we have to walk in the hallways so that everyone's spaced apart um, and they can't go out of their seats to go and do things because, um, you know, they can't be really moving around the room. And it's been so nice um, to have that sort of like, we're all in this together. Like it's not a, you know, in middle school, it can often be um, sort of a you against them or, you know, just not wanting to listen just, just because. Um, and they've they've really been wonderful and resilient throughout all this. So that's been a huge help. Are you feeling burnt out, Claudia? I am. I am. It's just a lot. It's a lot. I mean, I think a lot of us have had to do our jobs differently, but I think this is really one of the few professions where we have really turned around what we've done. Um, I mean, I have to make everything, you know, computer friendly. um, And you know, I can't do as much of the group work that I wanted, or, you know, you're not just passing out certain papers, you know, everything's got to be digital. Um, And so that's takes a lot of extra 
time and planning and prep um, on top of already being on all day um, as we are, as Cherie said. Um, so yeah, I'm exhausted. Can I ask uh, who supports you, whether it's within your school that you teach or even when you get home, Claudia? Um, I am so grateful. I have a really wonderful team that I work with and we always have each other's backs and um, we, we vent, we call each other at all hours. We, you know, you can see when one, one of us is maybe just not having like the best day, you know, you do what you can to help them out. Like, oh, I'll pick up this lunch or, uh, you know, I, I got that. I'll get those copies for you or I'll do whatever. Um, and that has been so, so nice. And we've reminded each other, you know, oh, it's, it's really nice to have you guys. Um, so working together has really helped. I feel so grateful for my colleagues. Um, and yeah, my family has been really wonderful. Um, and, you know, just to be a shoulder to lean on, to feel like someone can, you know, empathize with you and um, also remind you, you know, it, it is really hard, but you're doing something really important at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, David, before we head to break, I have to ask, just like Claudia and Cherie, you've been teaching for a long time. Are there aspects of, of education in a pandemic that make you feel like it's the first year of teaching again? <laughs> I, it's, it's a great question. I'm sure every educator um, has uh, thought about this this year. Um, I use the analogy of, of juggling. Um, I'm actually, I can juggle. I'm a pretty good juggler. Um, not that I do it all the time, but I know how. And teaching in a lot of ways is, is like juggling. You're, you're paying attention to all these things going on and you have to address this issue and that issue. And this year it feels like, uh, you know, there, there's a chainsaw in there and there's a bowling ball in there and there's a raw egg in there and you've got to keep them all aloft. And, and it feels that way sometimes. Um, it, it is, as Claudia was saying, like a lot of, a lot of changes, um, figuring out a lot of different ways to do things um, and really upending a lot of the uh, traditional or uh, the various approaches that, that have worked for you. And, uh, and at the same time, as much as it is exhausting in some ways, it's like doing three jobs at once uh, with the students in the classroom, with the students online, with turning everything into a, a digital format. Um, my wife teaches with me. Um, she's in the same building and, and we're doing stuff before we leave for school. We're doing stuff uh, after dinner. Um, it, it's a lot of work and I think every teacher can empathize with that. Uh, but at the same time, we're, we're finding new ways and innovative ways to keep students engaged. And so um, it's a challenge, but uh, it's also um, giving, uh, giving us some, some new ideas about how we might move forward. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're spending today hearing from teachers to find out how the school year has been going in the pandemic. My guest today, you just heard Dr. David Basso, social studies teacher at Berlin High School. He's the 2012 Connecticut Teacher of the Year. Claudia Tanelia is here. She's a middle, middle school uh, teacher with a uh, social studies teacher with the Hartford Public Schools District, and Sheree baldwin Mohammed, a teacher at New Beginnings Family Academy in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We're going to continue talking to them after the break. You can join us, too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. It's an important week for Connecticut elementary and secondary teachers, as well as daycare providers, after multiple requests from educators to be prioritized for the COVID-19 vaccine. 
Monday marked the day teachers became eligible to sign up for the shots. This is happening as the school year is a little more than halfway done. Today we invited back some of the teachers we've spoken to over the last several months. On Zoom with me, Dr. David Basso, social studies teacher at Berlin High School, Claudia Tanelia, a middle school social studies teacher with the Hartford Public Schools District, and Sheree Baldwin-Muhammad is here, a teacher at New Beginnings Family Academy in Bridgeport. You can join our conversation. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Claudia, could you describe a typical day for you as you're juggling in-person students uh, with remote students? And how do you have a relationship? How do you keep that relationship going with students that you're not seeing every day? Sure. Um, Oh, my gosh. It's so many things all at once. Um, But, I mean, to start the day, you make sure all your links have been posted in your classroom so that kids can get on. Um, And uh, make sure that, you know, your kids know what the schedule is for the day. Um, and I always start out with some sort of an attendance question, which is also sort of a social emotional learning thing, just like a checking in with them and seeing how they are. Um, and it's also my, my way of recording, um, is there every day. I usually also will, um, I schedule everything. So I'm not redoing it every day in terms of like posting links or posting assignments. You can have them, you know, you can put things in earlier and then have them get pushed out, you know, at the time of the class. Um, which I found is best because I have students who have tried to do the work before um, and then are confused or don't do it right. And I'm like, you should have waited till class. I love your energy, but there's um, that. And um, one way that has been helpful when I have some of the kids at home and some of the kids here is I've been able to do breakout rooms um, within Google Meets. And so I can have a student who's here work together with a student who's at home. And so they do not feel so far away um, and distant. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, sending notes and putting comments in their assignments and just letting them know that I see them, even if they are students who've just been at home a lot, um, because we've had some families who, you know, a child needs to quarantine for some reason. And so even though they were supposed to be in person, they maybe didn't come to school for three weeks. Um, So just doing all that sort of follow up stuff, stuff, we're just giving them a call um, to let them know, like, I still see you. um, And, you know, I'm here for you. And just kind of trying to bridge that gap helps a lot. Are you like David where, you know, you start your day early, you're getting all of these things posted, you finish your day, and then even after dinner, you're back at it, uh, getting the next day uh, ready, Claudia. How is that sustainable? Absolutely. Um, it's really, really hard. Um, you have to find ways to, to um, take care of yourself and really, you know, different from before, you know, I always was still having to do that and that sort of self-care in sort of my life as a teacher, but I've had to do that even more. Um, I am lucky to, you know, have um, a gym that I can use where I live um, and I do enjoy running so I can do that outside. That's sort of my therapy. Um, But um, uh, my partner also um, is a big cyclist. I actually purchased a, a bike for me so that he would me you know i know this is going to help you because you've got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so exercise has been huge for me um and definitely making sure i eat right and i sleep enough um and like sheree was saying you know i i go to bed before 10 sometimes and that was never me before (laughs) even though i wake up very early as a teacher um my sleep has become so so vital every day 
David and Sharia, I'm also wondering when we think about the typical day for you, uh, I'm also wondering if you could weigh in on uh, what that means in terms of, you know, we're all familiar with uh, the different school districts and, and having to quarantine at different times, if there's certain cases popping up in your community, and how has that impacted expectations and even the curriculum that you're following? Sharia, I'll start with you. Um, well, as far as the curriculum, the curriculum actually has been very helpful. Uh, the companies that we utilize have a lot of, have moved a lot of the things to a digital platform. So they're fairly easy to use either with, whether we're in the classroom or out of the classroom. Um, so that part of it is easy um, to access um, and to post work. Um, as far as the the daily schedule, um, I get up at five o'clock in the morning um, every day, and I start posting um, asynchronous work. Um, I have to get here. A lot of times we have meetings at seven fifteen in the morning, um, which I don't necessarily appreciate because we have to be here at seven fifteen. So that makes us have to get here even earlier so that we're prepared for the meeting. Um, so we have a lot of meetings in the morning before school starts. Um, when the kids are here at school, they get here at 7.30 in the morning. Um, so we, there's just so much to get prepared before they get here that a lot of times we have to bring work home. And like Claudia said, you need that that um, self-care time. So I try not to bring things home. Um, and I try to make my weekends my weekends and not focus on school as much. And my husband and I own our own company. So it's, it's been quite a challenge. Um, the school has been uh, a lot of juggling, like David said. Um, and oftentimes feeling like you're dropping the ball. Um, but I think the highlights of the day was actually today, we had a women's history project, history month project for the students. And they had to choose a woman that they um, admired and one that me. Hmm. And I think it really made me feel like after everything that, that we go through all day long and sometimes wanting to quit, that the things that she said were the reasons why I keep doing what I do. That must have been a really... So I don't know if I answered the question exactly. <laughs> I had to dance around a few of the things you talked about. But um, it, is a, it is a challenge, but then you get those rewarding moments where a student will say something and, and it reminds you why you do what you do. Mm. That, that leads in me into my next question, Cherie. I was curious if you know, there are colleagues of yours that have reached their breaking point that feel like this is probably the last time that they're going to be teaching because it's been a hard year for so many. Um, we've had quite a few teachers already that have left um, for one reason or another. It might have been to go to a different school that maybe had either a model where the kids were in school every day because they were not able to handle um, the workload between 
having to do online and um, juggle doing um, in person. I know in particular, I'm at a charter school, but the Bridgeport school system, they have to actually physically teach both at the same time simultaneously. So the students are online and in person at the same time, which I don't even know how they manage doing that successfully. And they actually aren't. There's a lot of teacher burnout. Um, I've talked to several teachers that have been teaching a long time that are thinking that maybe this year will be the year they retire, including myself. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's been challenging enough where there's either people that have, we had three teachers that left already um, either to move to different schools or just not to teach anymore. You're hearing uh, where we live on Connecticut Public Radio as we talk to Connecticut teachers about uh, teaching in a pandemic. Uh, uh, with me here on Zoom, Sheree Baldwin Muhammad, a teacher at New Beginnings Family Academy in Bridgeport. We heard from Claudia Tanelli, a middle school social studies teacher with the Hartford Public Schools District. She teaches at Dwight Belizzi School. And Dr. David Basso is here. He's a social studies teacher at Berlin High School. Uh, David, uh, I asked uh, the others about how they're managing expectations uh, for students when you've got so many other things to deal with and also including quarantining uh, when cases pop up. Um, so how have you figured that all out in terms of the things that you need to teach in the year and what you're expecting from your students because they also have personal things happening in their lives related to this pandemic? For sure. And, you know, students are dealing with a lot of challenges and a lot of stresses and a lot of anxieties. Um, and most certainly, um, so many of them are, are being resilient and they're, they're figuring out ways to, to deal with this and navigate this as best they can. Um, the, the curriculum is is going to almost you know necessarily um, go a little bit slower. Um, again, I'm I'm working with students in person and uh, teaching the group uh, remotely as well. Um, and there's a, a certain pace uh, that would have been possible during normal times. That's just it's just not as possible. And so. Uh, discussions are going to look different. Um, reading is going to look different. Um, making sure that uh, students at home in particular are, are getting the materials that they need. Um, assessments are going to look very different as well. And, and really what we're seeing is a lot of it uh, is getting boiled down to, to what are the most critical components, which uh, for what it's worth in, in some ways, there's uh, you know, it's a blessing in disguise in the sense that in a, in a lot of ways, the emphasis has now shifted um, to, to what is most critical, to what is most important. And in, in, in many, many ways, it's about, it's about learning. And, and that's really um, what it really should be about. Um, and so, again, as, as challenging as it is, um, I think there's other opportunities to reconsider um, what we uh, what we will prioritize uh, as an educational community. Let's talk a little bit more about that, David, because we know there's been such an emphasis on standardized testing, and you mentioned assessments, but when we think about um, how children learn and um, what makes uh, certain lessons stick with them and others that that um, they, go, they go through the motions and then, um, you know, it, it slips their mind and they move on to something else. I'm wondering when you think about how the pandemic uh, can be um, you know, provide these opportunities to rethink how education is happening. Can you walk us through some other ideas that you have? 
Sure. Uh, I've tried to look at um, some sort of you know, summative assessment to include not only uh, the content that we've covered, but um, to look for new ways to ask students, uh, you know, what resonates most with them, uh, what what stands out, what surprises them, what disturbs them. Um, as a social studies teacher, we're always asking questions, but you know, now the questions become even more so: uh, How can you connect what you've learned to current events? Uh, and so, I think if we can sort of reshape or, or uh, form it in a manner that is uh, getting really into how students are feeling and how they're thinking about things and how they're reflecting on things and to uh, provide that, that real world context uh, because they're living it and they're, they're living history as we speak. And uh, they're going to be uh, talking about this to their children and grandchildren and then their students if they become teachers. And so the more uh, opportunities and avenues we can provide for that, that introspection and that reflection uh, during a time when, you know, arguably it's, it's needed more than ever, um, I think the better off we're going to be if we're going to really emphasize this idea of, of lifelong learning and critical thinking and so on. Claudia, I understand you among the students you teach are eighth graders. And when we think mm-hmm. about uh, the, whether it's a political climate or the fact that we're all living a moment uh, in history well, that we will remember uh, in our lifetime, I'm just wondering how you work that into the lessons that you have with your students. Yeah, well, um, we we do a lot of, of current events, keeping up with, with that and discussing it. Um, I do constantly emphasize to them um, that they may not feel it yet, but, you know, they are future, um, you know, citizens of our, our world and, and they will be taking this on someday and they have it in their control to, you know, make our communities, our country, our world a better place. Um, and I've changed some of what I've done um, you know, there also was, in addition to COVID, we had the um, Black Lives Matter protests in the spring and the summer. And so I've changed some things in my curriculum to incorporate um, more of that. Um, and so we're actually, we're reading a book called Stamped, um, the Ibram X. Kendi book. And uh, not his version, but the Jason Reynolds version, which is for young adults. Um, and they're really, really enjoying it. Um and I think that maybe in a typical year where it was, you know, we still have to cover what we're covering, but there is a little bit of grace um, where I feel like I've been able to slow down. And I think I've been able to spend more time um, with this book and with the topic of anti-racism than I have before. And that's that's kind of been a really nice um, thing to have. Um, so that's one way that I've adapted things a bit. You're listening uh, to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Uh, with me on Zoom, Claudia Tanelia, a middle school social studies teacher with the Hartford Public Schools District. Sheree Baldwin Mohammed is here, a teacher at New Beginnings Family Academy in Bridgeport, and Dr. David Basso, social studies teacher at Berlin High School. We're going to talk more with them after a short break. You can join us too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guests today are teachers on Zoom with me, Dr. David Basso, a social studies teacher at Berlin High School. He was the 2012 Connecticut Teacher of the Year. Claudia Tanelia is here, a middle school social studies teacher with the Hartford Public Schools District. And Sheree Baldwin Muhammad, a teacher at New Beginnings Family Academy. Now, we know education has been one of the most important stories in this pandemic. Teachers, students, and parents have had to shift their schedules to manage 
new ways to work and learn alongside COVID-19 restrictions. And while there's a lot of attention on how students are learning in this pandemic, students also learn a lot in school that doesn't have anything to do with their grades. Uh, David, I'll start with you. Is there something that you've been missing this year because of the pandemic, whether it's certain interactions that you're having with students or activities that you normally would be able to do if it weren't for the pandemic? Sure. This might sound almost as if it's you know, too simple of an answer, but um, just seeing their faces, um, seeing their smiles, seeing them light up, um, you know, you can tell so much from the eyes and, um, you know, we try to take a break. We uh, go for a mass break, go for a little walk and uh, have a little banter. And, you know, so many of those those interactions are, are so important and so memorable. Um, again, as simplistic as they might be, um, the connections that we have with our students are are so critical, um, and, and I know the the reverse is true. Um, it's 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 a memorable time for students, and uh, teachers are going out of their way to make sure that we are there for them, and that we are a a source of stability and consistency. And um, you know, there's there's a certain dynamic and a certain uh, vibe that exists within a classroom that uh, is hard to replicate um, unless things are are somewhat normal. Um, and so hopefully we'll get there uh, as soon as we can and as safely as we can. I'm a parent of two children and my child, one of my children is in fourth grade. And so this would be the year that they get their recorders and they have their <laughs> concert uh, for parents, but that's not something that's happening this year. And uh, I guess that's what I was getting at is there's just so many um, annual activities that students look forward to, even teachers, Cherie, that you're not able to do uh, this year. And I'm just wondering what you're missing. Um. Well, this year was very different. We because I'm at an elementary school, we usually have a lot of family activities. And that was the, the part that I loved about being at this school was the uh, the aspect of family. And we would have lots of assemblies where we would invite families to come, um, even for our, our Black History um, presentations. We usually have a big, big assembly where we invite the parents, we may have speakers, we had dancers, we usually have a multicultural um, dinner around that time where families bring different foods from their cultures and different things to celebrate um, diversity. And this year, that was kind of out of the window. Um, we didn't have the assemblies, we didn't have the Christmas uh, concerts that we usually have. Um, we tried to do a Zoom, but unfortunately, you can only have 100 people on Zoom, we found out, so we couldn't have all the families join. Um, so a lot of families missed out on some of the things that we tried to do virtually. Um, I know even with birthday parties, like I mentioned with the little boy, um, there were so many students that wanted to bring, okay, well, can we bring goodie bags? I know we can't share food, but, you know, could we bring pencils or different things for the kids? And we were told no. So even little celebrations of having a birthday party or being able to have a cupcake with the kids is totally different. We eat in our classrooms. We don't go to the cafeteria anymore. Actually, our to cafeteria has totally transformed into more of a storage space um, for books and different other materials that 
uh, they had to change some spacing as far as adding more classrooms. So we don't get to even socialize as far as that is concerned. Recess is totally different where usually the classes were able to play together outside of the playground. Only one class is allowed to play at the playground at a time. Um, so there's a lot of the social interaction that the kids were used to that they're not able to do anymore. And Claudia, what about you? Before the pandemic in March, were there certain activities that you'd be doing with students that you're not able to do this year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, in my classroom, there is constant group work and pair work and, you know, social studies really lends itself to that, right? You know, having class discussion um, and sharing their thinking and that's that's been hard to not be able to do. Um, and with them being, you know, distanced in their desks, it just it doesn't really work. Um, and also just, you know, being able to take class trips. Um, I, I was able to take my students to a play last year. Um, at the Playhouse on Park, um, and for some of them, it was their first time actually going to see um, a real, you know, adult play. Um, so things like that are are kind of tough. We don't have any of our clubs going on um, this year, so there's there's not, you know, those were all those additional kind of fun extra things that um, you know kept kids really excited about going to school um, that that we just don't have this year. I think that's important to emphasize because when we think about a lot of the data that's been reported out of the Connecticut Department of Education, Claudia, you work in a school district where um, the schools are seeing uh, high rates of chronic absenteeism and there's concern that some of uh, Hartford students uh, aren't going to be able to graduate. And, you know, again, part of of going to school and and learning particular subjects and getting to a certain uh, standard, it's one thing. But you know, there's so much more that uh, children uh, get from being around their peers and, and learning about teamwork and that engagement that they may not be getting at home. Uh, that must be difficult for you when you, you see that data and you're trying the best you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty challenging. And, and the kids will ask you, you know, are we ever going to do this? Are we ever going to get to go on a trip this year? And it's, no, oh, guys, I, I really don't know. I know this year's really different. Um, so one, one day at a time. David, what do you want people to know about this last year, including back uh, when we thought about uh, school being fully remote and now there have been uh, different variations of hybrid and in-person. Uh, I'm just curious what you want people who don't understand uh, the profession to know about what you and your colleagues uh, have been going through and what you're trying to do to get to the end of the year. A lot of people, um, unfortunately, think they know teaching because they had the experience as a student, and and this is you know nothing new, uh, regardless of whether or not it's a, a pandemic or not. Um, people, I think it's it's important for them to realize that teachers go out of their way. Um, there's a certain selflessness about teaching. Uh, we spend a lot of time, a lot of resources, uh, a lot of money. Uh, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears um, to provide uh, the best educational experience possible uh, for our students. And, and it's for all of our students. Um, you know, we, you know, teachers refer to their students as their kids. And I think that that probably resonates with, with any educator who might be listening. Um, those are my kids um, and I'm going to do what I can 
to make their experience uh, an enjoyable one, a uh, welcoming one, a safe one. Uh, and so uh, as, as people, you know, learn more about what teachers are going through this year, uh, really what the driving force behind that is what it's always been. And that's been our students, our kids. Um, you know, not so long ago uh, when a lot of this started and we started to realize the uh, severity of the situation, and how it was going to impact education, uh, teachers were rightfully lauded as heroes. And that shifted a little bit uh, and, and we're going long back into uh, the, the age-old perceptions of, of teachers in schools and we're not doing enough or not keeping up with other countries. And, um, you know, that, that certainly wears on teachers for sure, um, especially because we're trying to counter that narrative by these very uh, extreme efforts that we go through. And, and you heard from Sheree and from Claudia um, and, and from myself, uh, you know, how much time and energy um, for uh, what is often, um, you know, these, these small victories, um, and I'm smiling when I say that, I know you can see that, um, but these small victories that uh, it, it might not uh, come to fruition or manifest itself uh, right here and right now, but maybe 10 years from now, maybe 15 years from now, uh, to know that you made a difference in a child's life. And, and that's what is uh, providing teachers with a sense of purpose, particularly during this time. Uh, Sheree, you mentioned earlier that you know a lot of colleagues who've left teaching and you have thought about that question, is it time to retire? What keeps you going? Um, just what Babe said. Um, I, while he was saying that, I was thinking of how long I've actually been teaching. And I've been working with children and families in some type of school capacity, whether it was early childhood or elementary, for 30 years. Um, and it's not always the day-to-day -day rewards because you do, sometimes you don't necessarily understand the impact that you've had until you get an email from a teacher that, I mean, from a student that you've had years ago. I remember a couple of years ago, I got a message from a mother and her daughter was graduating from high school and she was getting an award at the Capitol and her daughter wanted me to come um, because she wanted to honor the type of teacher I was when she was in second grade. And it's those little things that keep me going. It's the little note that I got today um, as I was sitting at school, really not wanting to be here <laughs> um, about the fact that I was her woman, uh, her woman's history woman that she admires and, and it's just those little things that it's like, okay, this is why I do what I do. I think I can make it another year. This is why I do what I do because teachers who love teaching teach children who love to learn. I'm looking at a sign across my room um, that we love what we do. We, we love the students. There isn't a lot of reward. We get a lot of backlash, um, evaluations, often point us as the reason why students aren't achieving what they need to on standardized tests. But I rather have a student come back to me after years and say, you know what, you sat with me at lunch when I was going through what I was going through with my dad and you cared about me. And that's why I'm successful today. 
So it's those type of stories that make what I do worth it when I don't want to get up in the morning and when I'm crying at night because I'm exhausted. Um, it's those type of stories that teachers need to remember that they're they're loved and they're valued even when the system or your school or administration or even parents may not think so, um, that you're important and you are essential, even though we're not categorized as essential workers a lot of times. Well, Sheree Baldwin-Muhammad, we thank you uh, not only for taking time to speak with us, but for what you're doing for your students. Thank you, Sheree. Sheree's a teacher at New Beginnings Family Academy in Bridgeport. Also with me today, Claudia Tanelia, a middle school social studies teacher with the Hartford Public Schools District. Claudia, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And Dr. David Basso, a social studies teacher at Berlin High School. David, thank you. Thank you, Lucy. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show is produced by Tess Terrible. Our technical producer is Kat Pasture. You can learn more about the show. You can download Where We Live on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.